What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Locked on Golden Knights, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. It is now officially Thursday, February 27th, and this is your post-game podcast breaking down the Vegas Golden Knights chalking up yet another impressive victory, this time 3 to nothing over the Edmonton Oilers in a battle of the top two teams in the Pacific Division and the Golden Knights do take care of business. Welcome back, everybody. I am your host, Danny Webster, and I do appreciate you stopping by for today's episode. And before we break down yet another outstanding, terrific, fantastic victory for the Golden Knights, uh, usual housekeeping items out of the way. If this is the first time you are listening to this podcast, uh, welcome to you. This is a daily podcast talking about the Vegas Golden Knights here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, which you can find on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you consume your podcasting. You can follow the show on Twitter at LockdownVGK. You can follow me on Twitter at DannyWebster21. Or if you want to send an email, you can do so to LockdownGoldenKnights at gmail.com. And I do welcome you if that is the case. What is also the case, ladies and gentlemen, is that it is now officially Thursday and the Vegas Golden Knights continue to win. And once again, they find another way to win and they find another way to beat a very good team. Seven up, seven down for the Golden Knights, seven game winning streak. This is the third time they have won at least seven games in a row in their franchise's history. They did it in year one where they ended up winning eight in a row, and then they had a seven-gamer last year. I believe it was in the stretch between December and January once Nate Schmidt came back. I can't remember the exact dates off the top of my head, but at the end of the day, the end result is still the same. The Golden Knights coming into this game, a, a very big game. I know the Oilers were banged up a little bit, uh, but they did add some reinforcements with Athens CU and Ennis, and then they also added uh, Mike Green on the back end. Drysidle was at a ridiculous pace. McDavid, we know what he brings to the table. And the Golden Knights, for I would say about a good 45 to 50 minutes of that game, shut down the Oilers. They completely clogged up the neutral zone. They did not allow uh, a lot of space for McDavid or for Drysidle, for that matter. They, for the with the exception of maybe a couple of breakaways, the Golden Knights really took care of business on McDavid. And once you can kind of eliminate McDavid a little bit, or at least neutralize him for the most part, you have a pretty good idea of how you can handle uh, Drysital. Because not only did the Golden Knights do a great job clogging up the neutral zone, not only did they do a great job getting sticks on pucks and playing great in front of Mark Andre Fleury. Fleury himself was spectacular once again, 29 saves. He has now won his last five starts. I think the numbers are 1.60 GAA with a 941 save percentage in his last five starts. He has been absolutely incredible. Now, whether or not you want to believe that he had something to prove with the Golden Knights going out and getting Robin Leonard and he felt like, oh, you really think that I'm just going to lie down and give you my spot. I don't think it had that much to do with it, but I do, if we, we do know anything about Flurry and the competitive nature that is Marc-Andre Flurry, he would have wanted to kind of show people just a little bit how he gets things done. And once again, 
for the second time in five starts, Flurry sends the Golden Knights fans home. The Golden Knights fans home with a dozen donuts from Krispy Kreme. Uh, Max Pacioretty, 30th goal of the season, his sixth career 30 goal season. I, you ask him if he if he likes the thought of being the comeback player of the year. Uh, he definitely doesn't like that idea. You try talking to him about it, he'll cuss out the award if you give him the chance. But thirty goals for Pacioretty after a, a few injury riddled seasons the last few years, he comes back and he's thirty goal Pacioretty once again, sixth time in his career. Um, we need to start doing some sort of shirt for all the guys who have scored in their Golden Knights debut, because now we need to add Nick Cousins to that list. Uh, you know the the meme going around, I think it was maybe last year, I think it was before the Browns drafted Baker Mayfield. There was that Browns jersey with all of the names of the past Browns quarterbacks, like Tim Couch, Kelly Holcomb, you know Johnny Manziel, and it was like a long list. It looked like a toilet paper roll or something like that. That that's starting to become the thing with the Golden Knights and new guys that debut for the team. There was Alec Martinez last week. Is Nick Cousins uh, this year? Patrick Brown the other night. Uh, who else do we have? Nicholas Waugh did it earlier this year. I mean, I can't remember everybody who's done it this year. I think he's the sixth guy to score in his Golden Knights debut this year. Uh, Cody Glass would be another one, um, but unreal that the Golden Knights can just pick these guys up for basically trade fodder and just like, Hey, go out and score a goal. Cousin scored on the power play, um, which was interesting, giving him some second power play unit time. By the way, Cousins wasn't even at morning skate today. That was the, that was the funny thing. He had to deal with the, with the visa issues that he had when he was stuck in Montreal, uh, did not participate in morning skate. It was projected. He was going to be a third line left wing. He was the third line left wing. And then later on in the game, Pete DeBoer switches it up and puts him at fourth line center. And they're off to the races. The third line was fantastic. Nosek, Waugh, and Stevenson were great, especially in the defensive end. And then definitely the fourth line looked really good with Carrier and, uh, and Cousins, with Cousins patrolling the middle. And then Reeves, of course, we know what Reeves can do. So... There's that, and then Shea Theodore with the icing on the cake made a 3-0 in the third period, and that would be your final score. The Golden Knights, ladies and gentlemen, seven wins in a row, the longest active winning streak in the National Hockey League, and they will now have the opportunity to extend it to a franchise record tying eight-game winning streak on Friday when the Buffalo Sabres, who... They've got to have something going on because Wayne Simmons avoided his no movement clause or his no trade clause to go to Buffalo. So something's got to be in the water in Buffalo. They're not that far out of the playoff spot, which is even more ridiculous. But the Golden Knights will welcome the Sabres to T-Mobile Arena on Friday in a big opportunity for the Golden Knights to extend their winning streak to eight games. So I wanted to discuss really... Just the overall, I guess you can say the overall impact of this winning streak and what it's doing for the Golden Knights right now. I touched on it a little bit yesterday. There is a legitimate possibility, ladies and gentlemen, that this winning streak could hit 10 games 
before the Golden Knights hit the road for their Canadian for one of their final Canadian road trips of the year. And I don't think it's really sunk in to the point where we can look at this winning streak for what it is being the most impressive thing going in the NHL right now. Because I know, I know you can win at home. If teams can win at home, that, that's not really the surprising thing. What's surprising to me is that the Golden Knights, for the better part of 28 games this year at T-Mobile Arena, were a subpar to average home team. So I have every reason to believe that going into that homestand, that Vegas was not going to come out of it any better than five points. And if anybody thought that they would have you know, gotten less than that, I totally wouldn't have blamed you. The way they played in that Minnesota game, the way that they played leading up to that homestand, I didn't have any faith in that team. I didn't I didn't think that I didn't think that team was ready for the big time challenge of, you know, taking the the top spot in the Pacific Division and essentially rolling with it for the remainder of the year. Now, part of it is you get William Carlson back. Part of it is, you know, you had him throughout that entire road trip and he's he'd been out for a long time. You know, he comes back with the broken finger and now all of a sudden you have your top line center back and he's playing the way that he is. And that adds another dynamic that really you didn't have for the first few games of the Peter DeBoer era. So there is that aspect to it. But you look at the fact of what they've done in this winning streak, how they've done it, who they've beaten. It it is absolutely remarkable. And now you go from, well, damn, do I have any faith in this team to essentially do I really believe this team can win the cup this year? And at the end of the day, it still seems like a very crazy possibility that the Golden Knights could win the cup. There, there's still the matter of going through the central side of the bracket, whoever comes out of it between St. Louis, Dallas, and Colorado, and whoever want the one wild card is. But it's going to be a bloodbath in the central and whoever emerges from that side of the bracket to face whoever from the Pacific side of the bracket, uh, in the Western conference final is going to be a very tough out for Vegas. And, you know, the fact that they've beaten St. Louis twice, but it was in overtime. The fact that they've been able to somewhat play Dallas very well. And Colorado really is, the one scary team that I don't think Vegas has been able to crack yet to this point. But I look at this team at full strength. I feel like that they are the most complete team in, in the Pacific division. Now we're about to test that theory in a little bit when Edmonton finally gets uh, healthy and fully loaded. Uh, Zach Cassian seven game suspension is up. Uh, where he goes in the lineup is going to be very interesting because he was on the top line with McDavid and Drysaddle for a while. But now you add Athanasiu and Ennis, you're pretty much kind of restocking the cupboard a little bit and you got to figure out where to put what. Uh, that's going to be very interesting. James Neal, when he comes back, uh, he's going to be some sort of a force, some sort of a difference maker. Kyler Yamamoto is another guy that Edmonton is really hoping can uh, turn the corner, the young player if he can kind of get something consistent going with his season and continue to play well, that's another depth piece that Edmonton could very much use. I mean, you look down the line, I mean, Vancouver, I think, is reeling with Brock Besser now out for eight weeks. Jacob Markstrom is out for the next two weeks. 
Um, Vancouver right now is reeling and they're reeling at a very bad time. If, if a team wants to go ahead and try and attempt to catch Vancouver, I think now would be the time. If not, then feel free to stay content as one of the wild cards. Cause right now the top three teams in the Pacific are looking like Vegas, Vancouver, and Edmonton, not necessarily in that order. Uh, Arizona, I, I'm still holding out hope on Arizona that they can turn it around. Kemper's back. And if he's back to playing like Vesna candidate or Vesna, Vesna possibility, Darcy Kemper that he is, then I think the Coyotes are in good shape. And then you got Calgary to worry about you, whether they can kind of string some consistency together. There's just a lot in the Pacific, but you look at how complete Vegas is right now, the way that they're playing, they're playing well at the right time. And you look at the trends for these teams, which team is playing the best hockey at the right time. You can say, you know what? That's a team that I would take to go deep into the playoffs. Columbus was that team. They were playing well toward the end of the regular season. And then all of a sudden they get in the playoffs and knock out one of the best teams in regular season history. Uh, Same goes for Carolina. They all of a sudden, play well they they play well enough to hang with the defending champions and then they knock out Washington in the first round and then they go on to the next round and they knock out the Islanders in four games and all of a sudden it's like oh if they can really hang on here they might be able to beat the Bruins which of course they didn't they were about 10 minutes away from winning game one but you want to be one of those teams that's kind of building momentum toward the end of the regular season, right? Like like Vegas, for example, after they traded for Stone, I think they what won, what, 10 of their next 11 or something of that sort. Like they were one of the hotter teams in the in the league at the time, and then March rolled around, and then Flurry takes off, which, again, wasn't. I don't think he was hurt during that time. He just wanted to spend time with his newborn child, which is completely understandable. And, you know, he got Subban some run and Flurry may or may not have come back too late to where I think that you could have had him get a few more reps in, have him get a few more games in. But I look at Vegas right now. You can afford to go the split now between Flurry and Leonard. Your top six is probably one of, if not the best top six in the Western Conference right now. Your third line can be a makeshift line, but it's going to be one hell of a checking line if it stays like that. I think that's something to keep in mind. And then the fourth line is as physical as they come. And then you get to the defense. You know, Braden McNabb and Nate Schmidt are always going to be a consistent duo that's played very well each time they've gotten on the ice. Uh, We saw the first inkling of Alec Martinez and Shea Theodore, and between the both of them, I thought they had excellent games. Martinez is coming more than advertised for Vegas and Theodore continues his career season. That's the pair that you, that you would want to have going forward. And then you got Nick Holden who just signed the contract extension the other day with uh, more than likely Zach Whitecloud, unless something God forbid changes within the next few days. Um, And then of course you have Florian Leonard all in all it's, there are some young pieces to the team, but this team is as deep as I think it's ever been, and I think it's as dangerous as it's ever been. If that line of Carlson, Pacioretty, and Stone can turn into the, the any equivalent to the Stasny-Stone-Pacioretty line from last year, 
Vegas is definitely going to get out of the first round. And then they're likely going to get out of the second round. What happens after that is anybody's guess. But I look at this team right now, and I can definitely understand from the concept of, well, the Blues, you know, they're the defending champs. You can't really take them out of the equation. And not really taking them out of the equation, but at the same time, you know, they haven't looked great lately. They're hopefully going to get Tarasenko back at some point. And if you can get them in a track meet like Vegas had the last two times that they played each other in T-Mobile Arena, then you might have a shot. Um, but it is definitely going to be a tough out just because of how uh, how great St. Louis is and how uh, very difficult it would be to play them in a seven-game series, especially if you're not healthy like the San Jose Sharks were for the better part of that series. But... You know, I just look at this team and I and I see I'm finally seeing consistency. I'm finally seeing them beating teams that they need to beat, them taking care of business against teams that they need to beat and taking care of business against top-tier teams in the NHL. And so far to that point, Vegas has been able to do that especially during these last 7 games when especially the Anaheim game which now is looking like a trap game. To go and win that one after almost blowing it the way that they did, and then all of a sudden now, you know, they're they're winning at a consistent rate. You got to love what Vegas is doing. You have to love what they're doing. And I personally believe that right now they might be the deepest team in the Western Conference, just because of who they added, what they got, and knowing that they have a backup plan at any point. Should they need it? Hopefully it won't come to that, but it is what it is. So Golden Knights now, with 17 games to go, they look like the force that I think a lot of people were expecting them to be after last season. When Stone came in and they were playing like a bat out of hell. That's the team that I think a lot of people expected going into the season. And that's that's got to feel good. That's got to feel good if you're Vegas. Absolutely, 100%. So, normally, again, we would do look around the league, but only three games tonight, and Vegas was one of them. And funny how that one is the only shutout of the night, which I think uh, I think the Kings beat the Penguins 2-1 to one last I saw, and then the Avalanche beat the Sabres 3-2, to two, which, again, the Sabres will be in Vegas on Friday, where the Golden Knights will try to get an eight-game winning streak under their belt. But I think that when you look at the overall landscape of the NHL, it's going to be very fun to watch come playoff time because I'm interested to see what Tampa Bay does uh, going into the home stretch now that they've added you know, the likes of Barkley Goodrow and Blake Coleman. They're, they're restocking that bottom six at the right time to where they can apply some depth. I'm going to be very interested to see what Tampa Bay does. Be very interested to see what the Islanders do uh, after landing uh, JG Pedro. Um, very interested to see what Edmonton does once they get healthy. Um, you know, I look around. I think Carolina had probably one of the best deadlines out of anybody. You know, getting Votnin, getting Trocheck, getting Shea. I think that you know they're going to be fun to watch, especially once they get their goaltending situation figured out, whatever that might be, whenever that might be. Uh, they're going to be fun to watch. There's just a lot of teams that were so active in the deadline that you look at it and you go, yeah, I would watch that team. 
I would definitely, you know, get NHL centerized, whatever they call it now, and just be like, yeah, I'd watch that team 25 out of 30 times. There are a lot of teams that have done what they did at the deadline. You can go, yeah, I, I would watch a team like that. I would watch a team, you know, like a Columbus who still has a chance to make some noise going into the last uh, home stretch. I would definitely still want to see, you know, the likes of a St. Louis, the likes of a Dallas, even though they really weren't as active at the deadline, you know what they're going to bring. Uh, I, I want to see what Colorado does and adding uh, Nemestikov. I, there, there's a lot of storylines in, in these final few weeks of the season that it gives you reason to watch and it gives you reason to actually want to know what in the world is happening uh, within the rest of the league. So I'll be definitely keeping an eye on that uh, going forward, and I hope you all join me on the journey of looking at these teams and these storylines going forward because I think that's going to be a lot of fun. It's always a good time this time of year. Always a good, fun time this time of year. All right, guys, so that will do it for me tonight. Uh, Yeah, I just realized it's 12.35 a.m. I should probably go to bed. (laughs) Um, But thank you guys for listening, for downloading, for sharing, subscribing. Uh, Tomorrow, uh, I think we'll just get you ready for Buffalo. I, I think that's what the plan is. We'll get you ready for the Sabres tomorrow. And then um, we'll get you ready for, I think we'll just do another post-game pod on Friday. I, I think that's what we'll plan to do. Um, we'll either get the podcast going for Friday or we'll get it going for like Thursday evening. I haven't really decided yet, but we'll figure it out when we get there. We will figure it out when we get there. So thank you guys for downloading, sharing, subscribing, all that jazz. Um Again, if you're on Apple Podcasts, be so kind as to leave a rating and review. It helps people find the podcast. Also, if you have a review, some critiques, some comments, um, you know, let me know. Let me know what you think. I, I know one. I, we got. I got one tweet today uh, talking about just diving into the podcast today and didn't need the lengthy intro. I'm working on the lengthy intros. You guys know I like to ramble a lot, and that it is what it is. So I apologize for all the incoherent rambling sometimes, especially at the beginning of the show, or maybe sometimes it's not needed. I'm working on it this time. I'm working on trying to make it a little bit better uh, and get more straight to the point. So hopefully you kind of noticed that earlier today. And uh, yeah, like I said, little things, just working on it to make sure that the show is better and the show improves every day. So thank you guys once again for the third time. This is what I'm talking about. This is exactly what I'm talking about. Um, But I will more than likely catch you guys tomorrow being Friday for the preview against the Buffalo Sabres. Until then, I am Danny Webster. This has been Locked On Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I will see you tomorrow. Have a good one!